Shall we pray? Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time when we again come into your presence, Lord. Father God, we just want to thank you that you have received our praise, our worship. You have received our offerings, Lord. You have received our intercession, Lord, Father. And Father God, now we are here to receive from you, Lord. And even as you speak, Lord, Father God, I pray, Lord, that you will unblock our ears. You will take away the, those scales in our eyes. You will remove the hardness in our heart, Lord. And you will make us receptive to your word, Lord. Father God, incline our ears. This is what we prayed, Lord. And you will speak unto us, Lord. We thank you that you have something for us. And, you thank, and we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us here so that we may receive from you this afternoon. We give all glory, honor, and praise unto you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In February 2003, the then U.S. Secretary of State, Colin Powell, made a powerful and authoritative speech in the United Nations, outlining the reasons why Iraq had to be attacked and its leadership destroyed. He gave reason after reason, but showed no evidence. Nine years later, that's now, Colin Powell writes an entirely new story in his new book. This book, called In Life and Leadership, is going to be released on the 22nd of May 2012, a few days ahead. But excerpts of it have already come out in various newspapers, magazines, elsewhere. And as I was going through that, I realize that he states something entirely different and very interesting. What he states is that there was actually no evidence in 2003 that could be considered authentic, credible, or trustworthy. However, the decision to go to war had already been made. Astounding as it seems, the decision to go to war was not even, not even made after any serious discussions at the leadership level. It was purely made based on gathering information which came out of workplace gossip and personal assumptions. You can read that book. You will get this information. Today, in retrospect, we know that the loss of life from that gossip-induced war was colossal. More than a million people died in that war. But as you look back, ask yourself this question. What started this deadly war? The answer is simple. One word, gossip. Now, what is gossip? It's not an easy word to define. It's an easy word to practice. But we shall try to define it. 
the english dictionary defines gossip as idle talk or rumor about the personal or private affairs of others the illumina bible encyclopedia amplifies this word some more and let me quote gossip can go under other names backbiting slander rumors defamation hearsay tale telling at its best gossip whispers dubious hints repeats questionable information turns the light on another person a few degrees to the left or the right suggests wrongdoing without facts to back up the suggestion gossip is a sin for it depreciates personhood often trying to make someone else look bad so that you and i can look good that is the expanded or the amplified definition of gossip as you would have realized by now the topic for today's message revolves around gossip and so the title of today's message simply is gossip the devil's weapon and many of you might already be thinking that this topic doesn't affect you you don't gossip or at least you think you don't gossip a study done by a christian organization in singapore has declared that gossip is one of the main tools the devil uses to break the church and the people of the church the social issues research center in in, in uk has shown that regular gossip is seen among 26 to 40% of women and 24 to 33% of men this group went on to identify differences between male gossip pattern and female gossip pattern and let me tell you a little bit about that now men talk more about themselves than others but what we do is to portray ourselves better than what we actually are you see biblically anything that you say which is not true is gossip so when i portray myself better than what i actually am it's actually gossip because i'm giving you wrong information i am giving you i'm telling you something about myself which isn't true i may not be talking about somebody else but when i portray myself better than what i actually am i'm actually depreciating somebody else in the bargain and i'm giving you an impression that i'm somebody else and i'm hiding the true me from you we men often take credit to to ourselves for things we haven't done now women on the other hand talk of others they make others look bad so that they themselves look good 
In other words, women discredit others so as to look good. In reality, the end result of gossip is the same. To make myself look better than who I, am actu- who I actually am. Whether I do it the male pattern way or whether I do it the female pattern way. Hypercredit myself, the male pattern system, or discredit somebody else, the female pattern system. The end result is, somehow I've got to look better than who I'm actually, who I actually am. And in the process, if somebody has to be hurt, if somebody has to be offended, so be it. I'm not really worried about that one. By the way, the modern word for gossip, which was not there in the encyclopedia definition, but the modern word for gossip is quite simply this, networking. Ah, you're getting close now, you're understanding what I'm coming to. The other word is personal data transfer, to make it sound scientific. Sounds good, doesn't it? Now all of this can be done electronically. But remember, at the the bottom line for all of this is simple gossip. However much we phrase it in ways which sound good, it still is gossip. But now let us look at this topic under various subheadings and we'll start with point number one. What does the Bible have to say on gossip? In Leviticus chapter 19, verses 15 to 16, God gives us his earliest view on gossip. Leviticus 19, verses 15 and 16. Always judge your neighbors fairly, neither favoring the poor nor showering deference to the rich. Do not spread slanderous gossip among your people. Do not try to get ahead at the cost of your neighbor's life, for I am the Lord. And again in Psalm 101, verse 5. Psalm 101, verse 5. God says, I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. Please also turn to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 to 19. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, where it is written, There are six things the Lord hates. No, seven things he detests. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord among brothers. These are just three passages where the word of God is absolutely clear. God does not tolerate the practice of gossip in any form. He never has, he never will. 
So don't look for exemptions. God has never accepted gossip. He's never going to accept gossip. Whatever be the terminology we choose to use. In the book of Romans, Paul clearly categorizes gossip and slander along with other terrible sins that God hates. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1 and we will take two sets of verses. We will first read Romans 18 to 22 and then we will follow that up by 28 to 32. Romans 1, 18 to 22. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who push the truth away from themselves. For the truth about God is known to them instinctively. God has put this knowledge in their hearts. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky and all that God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. Yes, they know God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. The result was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. Verses 28 to 32. When they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, fighting, deception, malicious behavior and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud and boastful. They are for, forever inventing new ways of sinning and are disobedient to their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, and are heartless and unforgiving. They are fully aware of God's death penalty for those who do these things, yet they go right ahead and do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now I don't think the Bible can make it any clearer to us that God does not tolerate the sin of gossip. The Bible has no two opinions on what gossip is and how God detests gossip. We cannot hide behind some fact that or some statement that it is not clear how God deals with gossip. What is gossip? What isn't gossip? What isn't true is gossip. And you speak about it, it simply is gossip. Now the problem is the devil has deceived us into accepting gossip as a harmless act that everyone practices at some time or the other. You see, we have this deception that we receive from the devil where he says everybody practices this one. What you are doing is not gossip. What others are doing is gossip. And it's anyway harmless. And in fact, if you go to the internet and search on this topic of uh, gossip, you will find that there's a lot of information from the secular point of view. And the secular point of view has got more positive take on gossip than negative take. Because the positive take on gossip according to the secular point of view is that 
It's a means of social bonding. It's a means of making friends with others. It's a means of being in, communi- in communication with each other. And it doesn't really matter what you say. What you say is not harmless. It's not harmful. It doesn't kill somebody. That's the take that you will get if you listen to what the world has to offer. If you go back and look at what happens in your offices, and even retrospect and think what you are doing in your office, you may find that almost everybody practices one form of gossip or the other all the time. Telling fiction as facts and making things light when they stretch the truth a little bit. Talking about others or talking about things or talking about themselves in a way that isn't appropriate, that isn't factual, equals gossip. And when you look at yourself, maybe you are doing that in your office. But we also need to retrospect and come back a little bit and think, are you doing the same thing at home? Is that the message that you are also communicating to your spouse, to your children? Are your children learning the lesson that it doesn't matter? You could stretch facts a little bit. You could stretch them and make them sound better. Is that the message that we are giving our children? Is this the message we are having in the church? Are we extending and pulling like chewing gum things which need to be kept at a particular state? And that's the introspection that we need to make. Because often when we talk about gossip, the usual answer that we get is, no, I don't gossip. I give information. Others gossip. I don't. But we need to really sit back and take a critical, clinical look at what we speak. Silence can be golden. But very often, for most of us, silence is fearsome. We like to hear voice. We like to hear noise. If you can't hear your own voice, you want to hear somebody else's noise. It doesn't matter what that somebody is saying or doing. And so when you are driving alone in the car, you switch on your 90.4 FM. And hear all the rubbish that comes out of there. There's a lot that comes out. Amazing, you know, uh, statements are made, uh, which, which really has no sense at that particular point of time. Okay? But we are, we are so fearsome of silence that we don't even want to be alone in a car with no sound except the sound of your engine. It scares us. And so we say, put on something. Put on the music. If the music is not there, let the news come on. Let it talk. Let somebody talk. That's the way we are. The devil has made us accept gossip as social entertainment. It's a channel of news and information regarding our fellow brothers or sisters. And as I said, the devil has also made us think that it is a means of social bonding. Now all of us clearly know and understand that murder 
is a terrible sin. Is there anybody who doubts that murder is a terrible sin? Is there anybody here who thinks that murder is okay, we can go and do it once in a while? Whether we do it serially, I'm talking about murder, or occasionally, we all accept that murder is a terrible sin. According to Paul in Romans, be it murder or gossip, it's all in the same sentence. If murder is a terrible sin, gossip is just as terrible a sin. Whether we are doing it occasionally, whether we are doing it all the time, whether we are serial gossipers, okay, it qualifies under the same category as murder. There's no two opinions about that as far as the Bible is concerned. The secular world may have a different take on that. Number two, why do we gossip? There may be many reasons why we like to gossip. But that is, I'm just going to highlight four particular reasons. Number one, because we find truth boring. The reason we like to gossip, remember gossip is extending the truth. Okay, not talking the truth, but stretching the truth and uh, uh, making something out of it. Now, basically, we like to gossip because we find truth boring. Juicy scandals are more interesting. Why is it that magazines which have the picture of... Uh, let me take our Prime Minister, Manmohan Singh. On the cover page with his nice suit, he's a well-dressed man. Will never sell. But magazines, which have the picture of some actor or actress, and a question mark next to it, will sell immediately. Because everybody wants to know what's happening. In reality, you and I should be more interested in knowing what are the policies that Mohan Singh is laying down. That affects you and me. Is he going to lay a tax on the NRIs? That affects me. Whether an actress does something or not doesn't affect me at all. But those are the magazines that sell. Truth is boring. We are more interested in looking for the skeletons hidden in somebody's cupboard. Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 3 and 4 where Paul says this. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 3 and 4. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. It could be in the spiritual sense. It could be in other formats of life also. We reject the truth. We don't want the truth because truth is boring. There's nothing interesting in knowing that... Uh, X, Y, or Z is perfectly righteous. 
What's there for me to know about that? That doesn't make me look good. I need to find some skeleton in somebody's cupboard. Because that makes me look better than them. Okay. Number one. Number two. Because we are hungry for all kinds of stories, we rarely check whether they are fact or fiction. And we are ready to swallow all kinds of misinformation. In Proverbs 18, verse 8, it is written, The words of a tale-bearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down in the inmost body. The words of a tale-bearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down in the inmost body. We are ever willing to internalize juicy gossip. Yet when it comes to the word of God, we often have multiple questions as to why it cannot be taken in. Why this thing could not have happened? Why the Red Sea could never have parted? Why is it that the, the walls of Jericho could never have fallen down? We have umpteen number of questions. We even say that what is there in the Old Testament is not for us today. In fact, some of us even believe that the New Testament is too old for us today. What we need is a current, updated, next generation testament. Maybe we shall recommend that to God and he shall arrange for that in due course of time. Have you realized how easy it is to question fact and yet believe fiction? Now, I don't know whether you have tried this one, but I always do this one and I, I don't know why. Anytime you see a board which says wet paint, I go and touch it. Yeah, it's wet paint. That's, that's a statement there. It says wet paint. Somebody has just painted that and gone. Yet I need to check it out. That's a fact. Yet when we get so many emails which are forwarded to us with all kinds of absurd pieces of information, we immediately hit the forward button and forward it to every address in the address book of ours and anybody else's. Is it fact? Is it fiction? We have no idea. Remember, a couple of years back, there was a tsunami. Uh, disastrous, tragic situation. And a little after that, there were a series of emails which went around. Now, I received two sets of emails on this particular topic, okay? And that is, one set of emails came showing the picture of a church standing in the midst of ruins. And the caption, and somebody had written there, you know, this is an act of God's vengeance. Because of the blah, 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 people around there, and uh, the, the way they lived, and the, whatever, you know. The church alone, that church building alone has not collapsed in the tsunami. Everything else is shambles. And this email has gone around like wildfire. I'm sure some of you have received that. I know many people who have received that. A colleague of mine in my institute sent me another email on the same tsunami, which shows a mosque standing. 
with the same thing, same story. Okay? Indonesia is a Muslim nation. Okay? God protected the mosque. Around it, shambles. Of course, that email will not circulate in the Christian circles. That email is circulating in another circle. The church email is circulating in our circle. Okay? Now, in, if you really look at it, you go to snoops.com and identify these emails. You know, the true emails and the false emails, uh, false stories like this. The simple fact of the matter was that most of these kinds of buildings, be it a church, be it a mosque, or some other buildings which also stood the force of the tsunami, were built on strong foundations. And they stood, they withstood the effect of the tsunami. Most of the houses that were built in that area were built without proper foundation at all. They were built with poor material. They were, they were just built directly on the ground and the minute the waves of water came, everything went off. That is the fact. But yet when the story went round, you should have seen, you know, the, the type of message we were getting. We are hungry for all kinds of trifles. We do not really ascertain and find facts. Number three, why do we gossip? This is third point under why do we gossip. Because we are spiritually idle and physically jobless. We are busy poking our noses into everybody else's affairs. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 13. And also 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 11. <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 13 actually addresses uh, the story of a young widow. And there it says, Besides, they are likely to become lazy and spend their time gossiping from house to house, getting into other people's business and saying things they shouldn't. Second Thessalonians 3.11 is more openly addressed to everybody. It says, and this is what Paul writes, he says, Yet we hear that some of you are living idle lives, refusing to work and wasting time meddling in other people's business. In the past, gossips used to carry tales from house to house. This was a tiresome and tedious task and limited obviously by geographical boundaries. So the devil decided to help out. He introduced something called technology. Okay? So today, you and I, in our mask of holy concern, invade each other's privacy through unlimited phone calls, especially on the mobile network, multi-addressed emails, freely exhibited for all to see walls on social networking sites, and then this current craze that is absolutely free to use, you know what it is? WhatsApp. No expense on your site. Send anything to anybody. I have objections 
to sending or receiving Christmas cards which come by email. Frankly, I don't even open them. I see who sent them, but I don't open them. And I'll tell you why. There is no, F, there is no sacrifice made. Sit there, click a button, get something sent. And usually it is sent to multiple people at the same time. You see, that's not the type of relationship one develops with another person. In the past, when a, when a Christmas card had to be sent, you made an effort to go and choose the right Christmas card. You paid money and you bought it. You took it to the post office, bought stamps and mailed it. There is an effort which goes into it. And so when somebody receives it, that somebody who receives it realizes that the person who sent this has put effort into it. There is an action of love. There is an action of relationship building that goes into it. That isn't so with this system. I know a lot of you may think that this guy is crazy, which is not a strange thought to me either. Okay. I hear it all the time, so don't worry about that. Okay. But really look back and think. I'm not against uh, the proper use of technology, but please reflect on and see how all of this is actually going on. And the reason I'm trying to be forceful here is that it's become so ingrained into many of us that we don't think twice about it. But when we really start thinking about how we use certain things, we'll realize that it's not the most appropriate way. Has electronic evangelism or e-evangelism become the mask for e-gossip? Ask yourself that question. Okay? Using the electronic media where messages are communicated from each other more in the form of gossip but under the name of evangelism. I am trying to share the word. What are you really trying to share? I don't know. Why do we gossip? Point number four. Because we are carnally minded. First Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 says this. For you are still carnal, but where there are any envy, strife and divisions among you, and you are not carnal, sorry, for you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Or as it is put in the New Living Translation, for you are still controlled by your own sinful desires. You are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your own desires? You are acting like people who don't belong to the Lord. And so it is our carnal desire which makes us share things about somebody else. And often you will find the points we share are the negative aspects. We rarely share positive aspects. Now in the last uh, victory night, Brother Pratap David, okay, Brother Pratap David told us 
that he's got a promotion. Honestly, how many of you forwarded this message to others? Because not all of us were there in that meeting. Remember that. I didn't. Isn't that a good piece of information to pass on? Our God has worked a miracle in his life. He had a lot of things to tell us the other day. But did any one of us think that that is something that will edify somebody else? That would encourage somebody else? Somebody who is looking for promotion for the last 10 years in their office would benefit from that statement which Brother Pratap made. But they were not there. That day. Did we send it? No, we didn't. I didn't. Okay, most of us wouldn't have done it. We don't share the positive goodness that God brings into our life. Often you will find the sharing is the negative. And that's what makes gossip, gossip. Okay, getting to hear some good news is actually boring. And that's why we don't like to communicate that one. And you will often find that these kinds of uh, uh, interesting things that you get have got a negative connotation rather than a positive connotation. Now, point number three. What are the effects of gossip? Point number one was what did the Bible say? Point number two is why do we gossip? Under that we looked at four subheadings. Now number three is what are the effects of gossip? Let me tell you a story. This is a story of a woman who gossiped about a certain man. When she realized what she had done, she went up to him and apologized. She said she would do anything to make up for the cruel things that she had said. He told her to take a sack full of feathers and to go to a certain street corner and cast the feathers to the wind. She did so, and when she had finished, she came back and reported that she had done what the gentleman had asked her to do. The gentleman then directed her to go back and retrieve every feather. But she exclaimed, that's impossible. The wind has scattered them everywhere. So too, with the gossip that you have said till now, said the gentleman, what you have said has gone, can never be retrieved, and that you cannot repair the damage that has been done. Okay? Don't take gossip lightly, brothers and sisters. Its consequence can be quite disastrous. Shall we turn to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 28? And it says, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. And again in Proverbs 11, chapter, th- ch- chapter 11, verse 13, it is written, A gossip goes around revealing secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. A person who gossips can bring division and strife within the church, between families, amongst friends. A gossip can destroy long-standing relationships. I'm sure 
if we look back and think of some of the relationships that have been broken in our own lives, historically, you can trace it back to some piece of gossip somewhere. God knew that gossip would bring enmity between people, so he gave a command. And it is written in Exodus chapter 23 verse 1, where it says, You shall not circulate a false report. Exodus 23 verse 1 is, You shall not circulate a false report. Of course, the verse goes on. Finally, how can we stop the practice of gossip? Number one, break the chain. Break the chain of gossip. Proverbs 26 verse 20 says, Fire goes out for lack of fuel, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Fire goes out for lack of fuel, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Proverbs 26 verse 20. Don't forward gossip. Close down that channel for the spread of, of gossip. In fact, an interesting study done in United Kingdom on uh, retention of secrets. How long can a person retain a secret that has been given to him or to her? And they found that the average time of retention of secrets was 47 hours, 15 minutes. Less than two days. So you can be sure. In fact, uh, the, standing, uh, the standing practice we practice in most offices is that if you want some message to go to higher-ups and you are scared to go and tell them yourself, talk about it in the coffee room. And it will reach where it should reach. It spreads. Gossip spreads. Okay? So in just about two days you can be sure that whatever you said is a secret is no longer a secret. So we break the chain of gossip. Number two, examine facts carefully. Deuteronomy 13 Verses 12 to 15 says this. Suppose you hear in one of the towns the Lord your God is giving you that some worthless rabble among you have led their fellow citizens astray by encouraging them to worship foreign gods. In such cases, you must examine the facts carefully. If you find it is true and can prove that such a detestable act has occurred among you, then you will do the following. And there's a series of instructions that's given. God does not allow you to act on hearsay. He says, go and examine and find the facts. And if you find that it is true, then action will be taken. And that action is serious action. It's not a pat on the back. It's serious action. But that action cannot be taken unless you have identified the truth unless you have examined the facts and ascertained that the matter is actually true. In the Gospels, Jesus tells us to directly face anyone who has something against us. 
He says, if you have something against someone, or someone has something against you, go to that person directly. Solve the problem and then come back. He doesn't say, talk about it to others, pass the message around, so somehow the message is going to reach that person. No, no, no. Okay, it's go. The first step is go directly to that person, stop, talk to that person, solve the problem. Jesus says, separate the wheat from the chaff. Similarly, separates, separate facts from fiction. And then, solve the problem, move on. Don't keep the problem festering, because then it becomes a sore. Number three, apply the golden rule. In Matthew 7 verse 12, Jesus tells us, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, you also do them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, you also do them. For this is the law and the prophets. Please note that this verse does not say, Do unto others what they do unto you. It says, Do unto others what you want them to do to you. I hope you get the difference. If you take the first one, Do unto others as they do unto you, well, they are gossiping about me, so I'll also gossip about them. Simple. Story over. The guy tries to kill me, so I'll try to kill him. Okay? But, Jesus' statement is, do unto others what you want them to do to you. So you decide, what do you want from them? Do you want him to gossip about you? No. So you don't gossip. If he is still gossiping about you, that's a different matter. It needs to be dealt with separately. But what's your behavior there? Your behavior is do unto others what you expect them to do to you. What you want them to do to you. So you will have to put your standard. You will have to put your statement first. What do you want others to do to you? Put that statement first and then you practice that. Okay, that's the golden rule. Number four, be a true representative of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 17, Paul writes, And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to, the, to God the Father. You can go right through the Gospels and find out any one place where there is even a hint of a gossip in a statement that Jesus Christ has made. You will not find a single suggestion that could be considered as a gossip. Jesus' statements have always been straightforward and to the point. And as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what our statements need to be. Our statements need to be straight facts and nothing else. Be a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the story of Socrates and an acquaintance of his. One day, this great philosopher Socrates came upon, a, came upon a, an acquaintance who said excitedly, Socrates, do you know what I just heard about one of your students? Wait a minute, replied Socrates. Before telling me anything, I'd like you to pass a little test. It's called the triple filter test. Triple filter? What's that? 
before we talk about my student, it might be a good idea to take a moment and filter what you are going to say. The first filter is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you are going to tell me is true? No, the man said. Actually, I just heard about it and... All right, said Socrates. So you don't really know if it is true or not. So let's try the second filter, the filter of goodness. Is what you are going to tell me about my student something good? On the contrary, said the acquaintance. So, Socrates stopped him. You want to tell me something bad about him, but you are not certain if it is true. You may still pass the test. Because there is one filter left. The filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my student going to be useful to me? No, not really, said the acquaintance. Well, concluded Socrates, if what you want to tell me is neither true, nor good, nor useful, why tell it to me at all? And that's what we need to practice. If you are going to pass on something, Check, is it the truth? Is it something good? Or is it even useful? If it isn't, why pass it on at all? Bury it. Let it die. Chain, break the chain. In conclusion, shall we turn to our final word on gossip? Please turn to Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37, where Jesus says, Matthew 12, 36 to 37. But I say unto you, that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Brothers and sisters, shall we pray? Take a moment to reflect on your own life. Don't worry about others. Don't point fingers. Just look at yourself. What will you say when you stand in front of God on that day of judgment? Are you a gossip monger? Do you create fiction without facts? Are you a channel for gossip? Are you a tool in the devil's hands? Can we decide to follow the command of Jesus Christ that he has given to us in Matthew 5, verse 37? But let your yes be yes, and your no, no. For whatever is more than these is from the evil one. God has spoken to us in very clear terms. There is no difference between murder and gossip. And we all know that there will be no murderer in heaven. That means also that there will be no gossiper in heaven. And this is how serious this matter is. 
I just want to add to what our brother has told us. The fact that what you are saying is true about somebody, it can still be a gossip because of your motive. Miriam and Aaron, they spoke the truth about Moses, married an Ethiopian. God has spoken by the others also. But the Bible says God had it. Everything we utter, God hears. And we know what happened. Leprosy came upon Miriam. None of us want leprosy. We started this service and God asked us the question, are we ready to meet him? That was the question we started this service with. And we shook one another and said, ask the question, are you ready? This message is not just a coincidence. There is, this is the house of God. God doesn't want any one of us to go to hell. We're going to rise up at this time. Wherever we have spoken evil, we have gossiped. Whatever we might have said might have been true, but it's something bad. Whatever we have done, let's go to God and pick them out individually and say, God, have mercy on me. I'm going to make a restitution. We cannot break the habit of gossip without restitution. If we have destroyed people's character, we will go to them and say, Brother, I spoke evil against you. I want to reconcile. My brethren, if we do that, gossip will be far from us. How many of us agree with what I just said? That is the way we break it. If we want to break it, we'll make restitution. And I'm telling you that God has sent this message for a special reason. He wants us to make heaven. And we all shook our hands at the beginning of this service. Are you ready? Is that not what we all did? That's what we did. And we want to make heaven. We are going to promise God we are going to restitute. Wherever we have destroyed character, wherever we have spoken amiss, we are going to make restitution. Oh God, have mercy upon us this afternoon. We do not want to go to hell. We cannot be in church and hear the word of God and go to hell. Oh God, have mercy. Let's pray. Every one of us, we need to pray. Father, you are a God of mercy indeed. That's why you have brought this word to us. Father, in any way, oh God, where we have spoken amiss, out of carelessness, out of boredom, out of wanting to exalt ourselves. Oh God of mercy, have mercy upon us this afternoon. Lord, we decree and declare before you that we will restitute. Give us the grace to restitute. Oh Lord, we pray. Everyone that is mandated to hell on account of this message, let there be a change in the destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, the grace to go out of this place and to restitute and make a turnaround and to build bridges and to make reconciliation 
Father, we ask, O oh God, that the power of your spirit will infuse it into our spirit man this afternoon in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, how we pray that there will be a turnaround in this church. There will be a turnaround in every relationship. Oh Lord, that your name will be glorified. Your power will be made manifest in our midst. Blessed be your holy name. We thank you for your servant that you have used. More of your anointing, more of your power, more revelation, grant unto him in the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your holy name. As we go, O oh Lord, we are going on a new footing. We are going on a new level. We are going on a new relationship. And let your name be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. And we shall walk in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in the newness of life.